Thank you for listening to this episode of Liberation. I'm your host, LaCroix Hatcher, and today I present to you Marcus Thompson II. Marcus is a lead columnist for The Athletic and has covered sports in the Bay Area for over 20 years. Marcus is also author of multiple best-selling books, including Golden, The Rise of Steph Curry. We will discuss his upbringing, maintaining his faith, and issues he has had with journalism and the NBA recently. Please enjoy the show. All right, folks, I got with me a, a very special person. This interview is coming out of left field. It's probably not what uh, we're going to be used to here on Liberation. But um, as a brother in Christ, he does have a unique story to tell. Uh, this brother has been a sports journalist, writer in the Yay Bay area uh, for upwards, what, about 20 years, brother? At least. At, at least. least. 99, so what's that, 21? Yeah. My, my career is uh, is illegal. It's a legal adult now. My career can buy alcohol if I drink. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I met this brother through some uh, through Twitter. We had some back and forth exchanges when the Cavs and Warriors were going back at it. Uh, Those were the days, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the glory days. <laughs> it was about 2016, and then they doubled back the next year, and I think the brother took time out of his busy schedule to uh, meet up with me one-on-one, and we had a nice, long conversation. Uh, you remember that place? <sighs> I never told you I left my wallet there. Did I tell you that? No, you didn't. Yeah, I didn't know I left it there, but like later on, I couldn't find my wallet, so I thought I was done. Oh, I thought I was about to have God. to move to Cleveland, like I couldn't get on my flight because <laughs> I had no idea or nothing. So I retraced my steps, and it was there. Oh, was you like, should have oh, we you you texted me. I'd have got it for you. Thank God. I, you nah, I mean, it. I wasn't staying far, so it was, you know, we was all down there anyway. But I just retraced my steps. It was like, okay, I ate here, and they were like. We didn't know what to do because his address was California. So wow. it's like we can't even mail it. So, yeah, that was funny. Well, folks, I have Marcus Thompson with me. Marcus, good evening. Uh, tell the folks where you are from. Uh, I'm from Oakland, California. Uh, we, we we were on the, the, the hip-hop map uh, last week when the verses went down. So if you watched E40 and Two Shorts versus Battle, you got a bit of my childhood. <laughs> you got you got some of the indoctrination and culture in which I was raised, especially on the Two Shorts side, because oh, you know he man. was a man when I was coming up. So right. it was a little cringe, you know. It was a little, you know, as a grown man, I'm like, geez, I was listening to that, but <laughs> you know that that's what it was. That that's uh, that was my life. You know, I gotta go back and catch it. I meant to. I meant to watch it live and just did. It's the hypest it. one, yeah. It's oh, the best I'm, one. I'm ashamed. And I'm not even just saying that because it was debate, but it was just like the whole energy was just. It was more. It's much more a celebration of hip hop. Hmm. Uh, Snoop and DMX was good too. Like I like. I like that one. I had no interest in seeing it. I just didn't. You know, you like DMX. DMX was like the first. Christian rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I I love DMX during that time, but I I just Snoop has too much. Snoop had a head was, start of at least ten years on him. It, hey, DMX held his own though. DMX held his own. 
I'll hey, go Matt. back and check it. I'll go back and check it. I just I didn't see any and you know what? I didn't understand the whole versus thing initially. I thought they were literally just people grabbing mics and freestyle. I didn't know they were just going over their old songs and this, that, and the third. So. Yeah, it was just like it's like a comparing legacies. You know, you gotta you gotta have a you gotta have a catalog in order to get down. Like you got you gotta be legit. Mm. So it's just comparing the the legacies of two you know greats. It was really popping during the pandemic. You know, like when or during the shelter in place when we first got started i mean we were all about to be right back there anyway right but when it when it really was foreign to us when that whole existence was brand new like that's when that stuff was mattering i remember the baby face teddy riley one went down i did not see and, that. i uh, didn't i didn't watch any of those yeah baby face teddy riley popped off and teddy riley's wi-fi was so shady <laughs> that it was just like this bad experience it was like irritating but talk about catalogs that don't match. He couldn't hold a candle to Babyface. No, uh-uh. like boy, you better sit down. Mm-mm. Even though Teddy Riley's a legend, though, I mean, right, he got right. his, he's got he's got his he got a catalog. But man, Babyface was out here dogging it. The the problem with Teddy, he's the producer. He's not a primary singer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Babyface. So he was, I was the producer and the singer. He could have picked one. Babyface could have been like, "Which one you want? You want my productions, or do you want my 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 songs? Like, pick pick your poison." Yeah, and, and yeah, I think Ted, Teddy would have Teddy would have stood a chance. I can imagine on the production side more than just actual man. You'd be songs. surprised. Babyface was pulling out stuff. He'd be like, "That was you too. That was you." It's not. It wasn't a fair fight. Plus the Wi-Fi. Like, come on, bro. Like you, Teddy Riley. You got this bum <laughs> crickets Wi-Fi. Like, <laughs> man, get your butt off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why you on TV? Why you on? Uh, what's the the prepaid Wi-Fi? Like. <laughs> Oh doing, man. man, that it was that bad. Metro, oh. we had the metro. Out. He had the metro Wi-Fi. Oh, it was like, come no. on, man. So now they're doing. I think because of that, you know, the whole streaming thing was so. At the time, people just we didn't know what we were doing with it. Mm. Uh, now they kind of get together in studio instead of to to, to kind of take away that the possibility of one of the person's Wi-Fi being bad. So. Uh, there was supposed to be a Keisha Cole Ashanti one, but Ashanti got the virus, so they had to postpone it. Yeah, well, uh, now that one I was going to check. I checked out Jeezy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You was going to check out the one with Ashanti and oh. Keisha Cole. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Listen, I had to see. I'm cool on DMX and Snoop, but let me let me check out Ashanti and Keisha Cole. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Keisha Cole from Oakland, so you know you know we was all over that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I definitely had to check out Jeezy and uh, Gooch. I, I I had to see what that was about, and and I'm not a, so. Yeah, yeah Badu is legend, man. Badu is all that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm a huge Jill Scott fan, so I I, I definitely gotta go back and check that out. Yeah, I bet you it. I mean, just so you know, you know, uh, versus is black owned, so feel free to support it. It's owned by Swiss Beats and Timberland, so. Okay, I wasn't aware. Uh, I knew they had some type of involvement. I didn't know they actually owned it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It gives me extra incentive, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, what what um, represents your college? What school did you go to, sir? Oh, uh, you know, I'm a uh, HBCU product. Uh, I went to the the finest HBCU school of all time, um, Clark Atlanta University. Yeah, I said it. Morehouse heads. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Howard heads. What, what y'all want to do? Shout out to Spellman though. 
uh, yeah, I, I went to I went to school in Atlanta, graduated in '99. So I went from Oakland to Atlanta just like Too Short did. <laughs> my top wasn't down though. Too Short said I went from Oakland to Atlanta with my top down. I ain't have a top though. Look, everybody during that time was moving to Atlanta before Atlanta became that deal. I remember uh, Pimp C moved there, Pac moved there. Um, yeah, Short. Man, I can't. I got there at the end. Like the my freshman year was the last year of Freaknik. And Freaknik drew a lot of people there. And by the time I got there, it got so bad that they just canceled that thing. Because mm. it was bad. It was like, it was really bad. And, uh, but yeah, it was just becoming this spot, man. It was crazy. Uh, I remember uh, Eva the Diva used to go to our school. Eva, uh, what's her name? Eva Marcel. Oh, really? The model. Uh, okay. M- Mace used to go there. Like, people just, not only were they like, coming to kick it they were going to school there you know like people would just come be like yeah i've been rolling i remember in the uh in the spring when the when the weather got warm it was just so hard to get to class you know because you (laughs) out and it's sunny and you in atlanta right right it was just like it was it was crazy it was like it was insane Uh, i dropped two classes just because they were after one o'clock and in atlanta we had this one major strip that kind of all the colleges kind of convene on. It's really kind of divide Morehouse and Clark Atlanta. And then at the end of it, it's like Spelman, but it's like a strip where everybody kind of kicks it at. Mm-hmm. And I used to have to walk through that strip to get to class. And your boy wasn't making enough classes. So I ended up <laughs> dropping the class and taking it in the summer at a, at a community college in Oakland. But yeah, it was, Atlanta was going down. That's, that was kind of the start of it. Outcast was popping. Yes. Goody Mob had just dropped. Yeah, it was Atlanta was blowing up at the time. Yeah, Outcast and Goody Mob raised me. That that, whew, that that Southern playlist in '94. Because I have I have was, a lot of people down south. I have a couple of I have a couple of cousins, and aunt, uncles in Atlanta. So yeah. I oh, we were slapping that. We were slapping that in Oakland. That was a, I had a Cadillac my senior year of high school, and that album came out. So better believe. I was driving two miles an hour, like Will Smith said, around <laughs> Oakland with that album blasting. <laughs> yeah, that was a blasting. game changer. Yeah, they, they weren't lying about the South having something to say. Right. Uh, so while you was in Clark, is this where sports writing developed in you, or were you just looking to be a writer in general? No, nah, I, I started sports writing early. I was in high school mm-hmm. when I started that. Um, I, I was like kind of. I wasn't kind of trash. I was trash. I played for the hoop team, but I wasn't really getting into games. Mm. So uh, I was writing for the school paper. And I remember I had one, like, I thought it was the greatest game ever. It was like my first good game. It was like some preseason game against some trash school. And I was out there getting buckets, you know what I'm saying, on, on JV. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like the biggest moment of my basketball career. So, of course, I expected to see it in the school paper. You know what I'm saying? So when it wasn't in the school paper, I went to the school paper like, yo, where's this? Where's the piece on my game? And she was like, the the teacher was like, yeah, we don't really have a sports writer, but you can do it. So I, I, I did it just fully expecting to just write articles about how nice I was. And then I learned like, like about journalism stuff. So once she was like, yeah, you can't write articles about yourself. 
I was like, all right, well then I'll just write articles about the team and about my homies. So mm -hmm. that's really how I got started. I must have been a sophomore in high school. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, and then the next year I became like the sports editor. Uh, and there was this one guy who used to volunteer come to our class. Uh, his name is Mike Silver. He at the time was writing for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. And he's a, he went to Cal, UC Berkeley, which is like maybe five minutes from my high school. So uh, he came to volunteer and he was just helping out our class. He had some kind of relationship with the teacher. Uh, he's a big time. He's a big time dude now. He's an NFL network, right? Yeah, he's we got a bunch of books. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of books. But like he was the one who like basically informed me that it was a career. And he was the one who told me that, like, you're good at this. You can do this. But, you know, I was just in there hyping up my my, my teammates. You know what I'm saying? I was just in there writing stories about how we was, how we were, like, going through our season. But I didn't even realize it was, like, a uh, an option or a career mm. until he was like, yeah, you can do this. And uh, after that, when I went to college, funny story. So I went to college at the time I expected to be an architect. That's what I always wanted to do. Mm. So, but I went to Atlanta. Uh, I just wasn't prepared. You know what I'm saying? I just, it was like when you, when you from the hood and you grow up in poverty, they just tell you to go to college. Right. Mm. So I got there and it was, it was like a lot of stuff that nobody told me to do. They was like, get to college. Right. <laughs> so I got there and I remember registering. It was like, yeah, pick your major. And I'm going through the list of majors and I'm looking for architecture. And it was, I was like, where's architecture? They was like, yeah, we don't have that. They was like, but we do have a, a five-year program with Georgia Tech. And I was like, I'm not doing five years. Like, I'm, I'm out in four, right? Like, you know, because that's what I thought. I didn't know it was very common to get out of five. I was just like, why would I do five years? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll be done at four. So I was like, I'm picking something else. And then that's when I was like, well, there's journalism. I'll do that. And that's that's how I, that's how it became like my official career path because for no real reason I basically <laughs> excluded architecture <laughs> like just on the fact that like yeah what you mean five years what I feel like what I am I a dropout or something you think I'm dumb <laughs> Not, come to find out like most people get through college in five years right yeah, like yeah. it's very normal it was like three of us in our graduating class who got there when I got there wow so uh i'm surprised clark didn't have a program for architecture they did it was just paired with with georgia tech. georgia tech yeah so it's a five-year program and you get a master's out of it right mm. it's a five-year program that gets you a master's wow. i just didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what i was talking about like i didn't know anything mm. i was just this knucklehead from oakland who they told me to go to college so i was like all right i'm here let's go you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't know what i was i had no parents i had nothing i was just by myself so I ended up picking journalism that way. Uh -huh. And I remember I wrote my first article and they, they, they acted like I was so nice. You know what I'm saying? They was like, Off top. Oh, you know how to do this. And I was like, what? Oh, well let's go then. This is, you know, I didn't know I was good. They were, they were just like, Oh, Hey, can you be, the, I wrote one article and it was like, can you be the sports editor? And I was like, Oh, y'all, I'm walking in, y'all giving me just, oh, okay, one article? Then then you couldn't tell me nothing at that point. So you you was just covering this, the HBCU sports scene, basically. Yeah, I think I wrote about the, like the football team. 
I just huh. wrote one. They threw me a little janky little article, <laughs> like my first one. And then when I turned it in, they was like, oh. I mean, because, you know, we was HBCU. We wasn't like a big journalism program. Right, right. We had like one old heck of computer. It was like, uh, what's the computers that was only green? Like, <laughs> the, the IBM. Texas Green. Yeah, it's like MS DOS or something. It was like, it was like <laughs> an old. It's crazy. That's when we used to lay out the paper, but you had to like print the article, cut it out. You actually had to like paste it mm. on. To, you had to paste it. It didn't print. Like we could print the article into columns, cut it out, lay it out, you know, and then take it to Kinko's and then they would print. Like that's how we did it back. This was like the mm. late nineties. So like, that's how long we didn't have a great program. It was, we were just like, yo, there's a newspaper at the school. So when they saw my article, they they hyped me up to the point where I felt like, oh, okay, well, I could do this, mm. you know? So at that point, it was like, all right, I guess I'm a sports journalist now. Let's go. Y'all go. can't see me. I'm from Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> so wild in hindsight. So you did just your four years and went back to the Bay with your writing skills. Facts. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised I was you didn't hang around Atlanta. I wasn't that big of a fan. Uh, I found Atlanta pretty boring. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the stuff that makes Atlanta popular, I just really wasn't into. Like, I wasn't a club dude. Mm-hmm. I wasn't chasing chicks. I didn't drink. So it's like, it wasn't that much to do. And Atlanta then wasn't Atlanta now. It was like, just becoming this place. You know, it wasn't, like now Atlanta is like, it's got everything. Like you could live there now, but back then it didn't have much. <laughs> it was like, yo, what are we doing? You, you was picking which club you was going to, mm. you know? And after my freshman year, that just got very old for me. It, it got old quick and I just wasn't a fan. Plus I had like, my family was back at home and okay. you know, family was such a mess and they needed me, you know, they needed me to be back at home. So it was just a matter of time, but I just I wasn't I couldn't wait to get I was new when I was graduated and I was out. Okay, I, wow. I knew that for a fact. That was done. So it's you, hard when you live from the bay. It's hard to live other places, man. Like the bar is high. We feel like we all that. You know what I'm saying? So you go to other places. We real judgmental about other places. You I'm know, so. I've noticed. <laughs> You're right. I know you have. Right? We are. We're I've like, noticed. Hold on, man. <laughs> Hold on, y'all ain't got this. Uh, yeah, no, I can't live here. That's how we Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I picked up on that just a little bit. I uh, went a place, man, and the gas station didn't have the little, you know how you go use your phone with the Apple Pay? Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, what kind of gas station is this? Y'all ain't got the Apple Pay on the? You talking about? I got to use my hands? <laughs> like, I got to put my card in? Like, what, what, what the heck kind of place is this? <laughs> Please tell me you're not talking about my town. No, nah, I wasn't your town. Okay. But your town just probably ain't got it yet. I don't know. Last, so look, <laughs> what was it? The last finals, the 2019 finals, uh-uh. uh, my wife came with me for three years. She was hate, right? I was like, nah, you coming this year. This is not even an option. Like, mm. you coming. You've been ducking me. I was like, this is my fourth year here. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, yo, I need some company. So she came and, you know, Cleveland gets a bad rap, especially from people in the Bay, especially when we there and we in like this one little confined space. You know what I'm saying? You do your little routine, you're in this one area. And it was like, all right, we've done it. 
Like that was, you know, it was just like, man. And you know, I come home and she's like, what'd you do? I'm like, nothing, man. We went to this place to eat, did the, you know, it was nothing. So she wasn't really like enamored with it. What like we went to New York and it was like, yo, I did this and that. Right, right, I, my right. stories coming home weren't that incredible. So she came and she loved it. And it was like, and I was like low-key mad because <laughs> we, <laughs> but look, we wasn't because she was there I got out of that little the journalism like we we only do it's like you wake up you can find something to eat you Mm -hmm. go to practice right then you get you know you write your story and then you got time to get dinner and you probably get it with a few people who you write with and you just stay in the same pocket and then it's Mm -hmm. rich repeat but because she was there like we got out of that same pocket she was like yo I found this juice spot and we gonna go here we going over here we going over here and I'm like I for three years I didn't even know all this stuff was here. <laughs> and you you ducked and no dodged idea. me. Listen, you ducked and dodged me a couple times. I was trying to get you out of that hotel. I was gonna give Man, you a tour the, of the it's, city. It's it's the rut. And here's the only reason why I was able to do it. Huh. Because I had gotten to a point where it was okay that I blew off practice. But my wife don't care about none of that stuff. She'd be <laughs> like, Yeah, we go here. I'm like, yo, I gotta get back to practice. She don't care about none of that. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, yo, like seven o'clock is when you're done on a non-game day. Game day is at 1 a.m. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's no, if you're doing the job, you ain't got time for that really. So we just stayed on 4th Street. That's all we, that's what we did. Just each night a new restaurant, hit the little bowling alley. There you go. Go to, uh, and you know, the uh, the food was good. I, I was the big fan of the, uh, what's the Michael Simon? Mm-hmm. Michael Simon, you know, what's it? Lola's, man. I told Lola's yep. up. I was there all the time. Then, uh, what's the barbecue joint? It's right there. Oh. He's in Michael Simon's got a barbecue joint. Yeah, that's right I, there. I'm, Mabel's, I think is what's called. Mabel's, yep, yep. Mabel's. Man. He had to shut that, down a we couple did. spots, you know, with everything going on. Yeah. So. so that's, we were just in that rotation, man. It's more than shoot around, practice. It's like games. It's writing. And you just get into the cycle. And it's the same everywhere, you know what I'm saying? But she like dragged me out of it. Like, like we going over here, we going over here. I'm like, I didn't know all this. We walking around here. We walking in these nice areas. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, man, this Cleveland that came up since last year. Oh, I remember being in a juice spot was like, how long you been here? She was like, like seven, eight years. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I hit that juice spot every day. <laughs> While I was there, every single day, Anna in the Raw is her name. Anna in the Raw, I used to tear it up. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's funny. Like funny. Shout out to Miss Thompson. My bad, my I, I, bad. I like I her choked. already. I choked. <laughs> All right, so you were what with the Mercury News, correct? Yeah, it's a it's a conglomeration of papers called Barry News Group. The main one is the Mercury News, and you got the Oakland Tribune, the Country Constant Times. So, but yeah, I was with the same company. I was with the same company through like three changes. <laughs> so I didn't actually move. My yeah. checks stayed the same, but the company name kept changing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Mercury News was like the flagship one. That was like the big one. That's okay. when I made it to the big one. You know? Okay. Is that that's the same group you linked on with after you left Clark, or you worked your yeah. way up to that point? Yeah, so that I worked, I started at covering high school sports at a paper in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and that paper ended up being bought by the bigger papers. Gotcha. So 
they uh they basically co-opted us into the bigger to the bigger shop it was a bunch of mergers and all that newspapers were done you know falling apart so but uh so i ended up getting promoted without leaving the same company (laughs) so once i got in there they was like yo you nice you you know we're gonna take you 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 are guy Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like that so technically it wasn't the same place uh but you know, figuratively, it was. I didn't. I didn't do anything. I never left. We just kept getting bought. Okay. So, um, how did you manage to? We well, you know what. Before we get there, um, what guided you from being amongst this conglomerate to going with this upstart called the Athletic at the time? Red. <laughs> one was paying bread i mean like like i said like they kept buying us and we kept i kept moving up but my check stayed the same you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like i was still being paid like i was at the small paper but i was being treated like i was at the big one and you know that was just getting old and you know they they was giving me those you know the the, the big raise is coming but here go a little bit just because we want you to know we like you and after a while that two shirts started kicking in and I was like, y'all not going, y'all not about to pimp me. <laughs> no more. So, so, but when that, when athletic came, I mean, the big reason was they was talking a salary that I thought I was worth. That was, that's what made me listen for sure. Now, weren't they still relatively new by the time they approached you or? Oh yeah. It was brand new. I mean, they had a couple other sites. It was in Chicago and Toronto and they had just, they opened Detroit while we were talking. Detroit and Cleveland while we were talking. So yeah, it was still like super new. Hmm. Super risky. Super risky. So even though they could afford to pay you more at that time, was there any lingering thoughts in your head that, okay, this thing is new. Can they withstand um, what if the bottom falls out? Absolutely. It wasn't said at all. That's why it was, that's one of the reasons why it was important for me to get the salary I wanted. You know, I was like, if I get three years of this, I'm banking on three years of this salary. And if this don't work, I'll, you know, I've had three years of the salary to kind of make it work. But I did like, what I liked about the athletic was that it was based on me. It was really simply my ability to convince readers that I was worth paying for mm. like if i write it if i write good enough articles if i write articles that are so interesting that people are willing to pay then i succeed mm. and it really came down to that that's not how it really works in newspapers <laughs> like you could be incredible and it don't matter like because you're you're in the hands of the advertising department in another building right mm. like and so i just got tired of my my, my family's financial stability being in the hands of some marketing department yeah. who, once I write the article, now they've got to go figure out a way to monetize it. Mm. I like the I like the head, I like the out the trunk to keep the too short thing. <laughs> I want to sell you, I want to sell you my article straight up. You know what I'm saying? But I like that model. If I was going to bank on it, I was going to bank on myself. And okay. that's, that's what would drew me. Cause uh, I mean, we had a dynasty you know what I'm saying? I had one of the, I had access to one of the biggest stars of the, of the generation. Mm. Like I figured if I can't make this work, then I need to figure out what else I'm going to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Cause 
This ain't it. This ain't it. So, um, I've met you, well, in the midst of meeting you, I did find out that you are a man of faith. You're one of my, uh, fellow Christian brothers. So, how do you navigate and balance your faith and what can, let's just, I don't know what's the best way to put it, in sometimes not the most godly environments? How do you manage to uh, juggle those things? I mean, well, now it's it's, it's relatively easy. You know, uh, I mean, I've been doing it for so long, you know. It was tougher early. It was tougher early in my career just because, you know, Faith was almost something you took, you put on, and you took off. Mm. You know, you put on, you took off, right? So I just had to get to a point where, like, I mean, my faith is my life. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There is no balance. Like, this is it. This is who I am. This is what it is. Uh, so the early years was tough. Um, trying to trying to fit in, like trying to get some credibility like are you in this world you seeing all kind of stuff right you kind of want to be down but also like what's the line where i can still be a christian but still kick it mm. you know say so you're trying to figure out that sweet spot right uh can i be at the spot where all the all the girls are and it's cool as long as i don't smash right like that's you try to you making all these type of compromises and you just trying to figure out where the line is. Uh, I remember <laughs> the difficulty, like, man, um, the, the phrase in this world and out of it just came to mind at some point, this idea of being in this world and out of it. I was, I was just in the world that I was not of. And I'm not talking about like this world is in like this, this life. I mean, in that world, that NBA world, I was in it, but I wasn't of it. Right, right, right. And not not even like from a faith perspective, but from the from every perspective. Uh, I used to go in there, and back then, who was on the team? Like Baron Davis, Jason Richardson. You remember the We Believe team? Yeah. Uh, Steven Jackson, Jason Richardson used to always like he would like make he would like make fun. He would, he was he was he's he clowning a little bit, but it was like a good fun. But he was watching my Air Force One game. This is back when Air Force Ones was popping, right? right Remember right. Uh, Murphy Lee and all that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It was popping back then. But I remember he, like, one time was like, yo, you need to, it's time for some new Air Force Ones. And back then, I was too brushing my shoes. I was keeping my junk clean because I didn't have no money. Like, I had a family. You know what mm. I'm saying? So if you had a pair of nice shoes, you had to, like, right, you had right. to keep them up. So I was like, nah, he's clean. And he was like, nah, once you get that crease, they done. <laughs> so I was like, so I started buying new Air Force Ones, mm. right? And I buy another pair and then I get the crease and I buy another pair. And keep in mind, these ain't like $200 shoes, but yeah. when you got a family, you just buy an Air Force One. And I remember he said that and, you know, I'm all walking funny, trying not to get the crease, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And then one time I got a crease and he was, no, and he was like, uh, he looking at him, he was like, all right, I'll, them, them still look pretty good. And then uh, I just remember thinking like, and when they get a crease, like, are you going to buy me some more? Like, right. and he was, you know, his response was, 
I'll give me your size. I got a Nike account. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> so in his mind, these is like Skittles. You know what right. I'm saying? This is like, this is like going to the fridge to get a drink. Like, but in my mind, it's like, yo, I gotta, keep I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to exist in this world that I'm in, but I'm not of it. Like I, I didn't have the money. I remember I went to one birthday party and they, you know, they got the food going and, and I'm like, dude, I got $30. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I can't take gifts from nobody. So I got to buy my own stuff. So it's like, I don't, why, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not, why am I at this super expensive place with $30? I shouldn't even be in here. Right. So like that stuff started to register. Just like, yo, this is not my world. This ain't, mm-hmm. this ain't, this ain't me. Like I'm not chasing chicks. I ain't got no money. <laughs> I don't drink. <laughs> I don't party. And I need to get home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right. so uh, you learn quick. You know what I'm saying? And we have it different than a lot of people. We being the people of color. They engage with us differently in a locker room. Like, I remember thinking like, man, y'all always, like you were always feeling like they were monitoring you. Like, oh, that's a nice jacket. Or, oh, what kind of pants is that? Or what's up with that? You know what I'm saying? You're always hearing it from them. Mm. And I'm like, y'all never say nothing to them. But they don't care. You know, they don't have a connection with them. Like, Mm. when I wear some shoes, they probably know what the shoes I'm wearing. You know, I remember I was going to the locker room one time and I got some Jordans on. And Jared Jack is like, I can't believe you bought those Jordans. I was like, what you mean? He's like, those probably, those got to be the worst Jordans of all time. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I like these. I like these Jordans. What do you mean? Like, nah, bro, you should have got these, these, these. And I was thinking, like, what do you care? Like, my, I don't care what you say about my Jordans. They way better than all these other reporter shoes, right? Like, you see these shoes they wear? Like, why? But he don't care about their shoes. He don't care about their shoes. Like I'm, I'm part of his culture. I'm from his background. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So there is some like pressure, and then you just gotta, you just gotta wilt or not. Uh, so like my friend, my real friends, like the real people I hang around, Mm. like they, they, they're the ones who kind of help me remind me that yo, you in there, but you not. That's not you. You know what Mm. I'm saying? Like that ain't that ain't who you are. That ain't what you got. That ain't where you're from. That ain't what you about. So, like it just it just became not a balancing act. Like I walk into a locker room now, I'm gonna be me, right? That's who it is. I remember having a conversation one time about cheating, and the whole locker room was was trying to explain to me how some cheating is acceptable. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I will argue with y'all. <laughs> I will argue with y'all to death about this. I mean, it was like a funny, they were being funny. They were like low-key mocking me, like, mm. but what if you in a different country? Like that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, listen, man, nah. Uh, I remember the only, the guy who came to my defense was a guy named Calvert Chaney. Mm. Uh, wow. He was like, man, okay. he was like, man, keep, keep it up, man. Leave y'all leave me alone. I was like, yeah, we going, we going to war. We going to war about this, but. I mean, it was funny. It was fun. Uh, it definitely stuff like that helps my helps me in a locker room, right? Because mm. these are conversations they're just not having with a bunch of other media. Mm. So, but it the way I do it is it's not a balancing act. My faith is my faith, period. And there's no putting it on, no taking it off, no 
no bending it, no making it malleable. Like I, I just got to be who I am at all times. Mm-hmm. How, how long had you been married? Um, when you hit that pinnacle, when you there, they say, Marcus, we want you to cover the Warriors. That was oh four. I I got married in oh one. Okay. So I had been married uh, a few years. That was that was the hard part. Oh yeah, like that was the hard part. Like that's the hardest part of it all. Like, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you married and you just gone for two weeks, Mm -hmm. like that's gonna be a problem. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, hey man, like yo, not only am I gone for two weeks, but I'm I'm hopping around. Like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'm in this year. I'm in that city. I'm in that city. I'm in that city. Like a uh, young marriage like ours, like that was the hard part. And it never seemed to astonish me the access to, um, I'll be, you know what, I'll be frank because this is what this show is all about. Um, beautiful women. I remember, I'm not sure where you stayed at when you were here in Cleveland, but um, back in two, 2001, 2005, I worked at the residence inn on Prospect, which is right before when you come. That's where I used to always stay at that residence inn. Okay. That joker was always sold out every time I tried to book. (laughs) Now, let me rewind time for you. This is pre-LeBron. LeBron was still in high school. And the Cavs had Chris Gatling. I know you know about that. Oh, yeah. One of the... I won't clown his NBA career. He, He... the fact that he lasted as long as he did is better than I did. Yeah, I was about to say, come on, man. Chris Gatlin made something out of nothing. That is the definition of leftovers become a dinner. That's a whole nother conversation. But uh, I ended up having a really good friendship with him. And one of his guys, I can't, shorter guy, I can't think of remember what his name was. But long story short, at this point in his career, he just wasn't hitting no more. And even Chris Gatlin at that point in time, injured and broke down, I would see easily in his coming and goings at least four or five different women a week. Maybe one or two that were repetitive. So I was just like, wow, if he's doing that, ain't no telling what the Jordans of the world then came across and and everything else. So I, I say all that to say this. You're in this environment. You're newlywed. You you probably had to keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> and amongst all the other stuff, like you said, the high price parties and 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 clothing and and getting clowned. How did you maintain in that those you know those first precious years of your uh, marriage? Like, oh uh, man, that that was easy. I didn't have any money. <laughs> you know how Chris Gatlin was able to pull up. He had money. Like, I had nothing. Like, uh, though, especially in those early years, like, that wasn't hard at all. Okay. The problem is, like, you in a, you in Indiana and you're on the road. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's not meeting them girls. It's being at a bar somewhere. You know, it's mm-hmm. being, it's the regular chick you might meet. That's, that's the real, for me anyway, like, I had no shot. At, like you know what I'm saying like and I, I was aware of that I was completely fine with it that used to be the funny part right like it should be you know my uh my wife would just be like uh, you know her I'm worried about her I'm sitting here like I mean I feel you she looks great but if you think I got a chance 
<laughs> I have no shot. What are we talking about here? Right. Uh, there was one time, man. I was in a, uh, I was in a lobby interviewing a player. He was a rookie. Uh, we were in a hotel lobby, and a veteran player came over. Like first, like these this collection of women just walked into the lobby, like shut it down, mm-hmm. right? They all looked like they was like millionaires, right? They all looked like. Everybody was like, man, who is it? Like 10 of them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we're doing an interview. We wonder, like, what's going on, right? Because they look like flight attendants. Or, you know, it's not like, you know, they just came, a bunch of flight attendants checked in for the night. Like, no, these was like, man. So uh, we finished the interview. And then a, one of the veterans come over, and he's talking to the rookie. And he's like, hey, man, did you uh, did you pick one? And we both confused, like, what? And he's like, man, did you pick one? And then that's when it hit. I'm, I didn't know. I still kind of clueless. But it hit him. He was like, oh, nah, nah, nah. He's like, nah, I ain't got no money like that. I, you know, I'm just a rookie. And the vet was like, ah, oh, man, don't trip. I got it. So from his seat, he's like, give me the one in the red. <laughs> so these were all, like, escorts. <laughs> so... <laughs> he's telling me, I was like, what just happened? He's like, oh, man, yeah, man. Uh, he He's treating us all to escorts. And I was like, man, how much is that? He's like, yeah, probably like 5000 something like that. And it was just like, yeah, but it was, that's that's their world. That's, that's it's, it's so, I don't want to understate it as if, like, you can't get action, right? If you're looking for it, you can't get action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get that man next to the man next to the man action. You know what I'm saying? Like that action is to be had. Let's let's be clear. It's not gonna be top shelf, but you you know what I'm saying? You in the store, right? <laughs> so, uh, and I've known some people to get close enough to the players where they'd be like, "Yo, I got you." You know, I'll snap a finger and make it happen for you. Uh, I've I have been like uh, approached by somebody who sees me next to a player and think I might be their access. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. yo, if I get to you, I get to him. Right. So it's not it's not bone dry, but again, like in, in this world, not of it. Like mm-hmm. I know who like I know who I am. I know what I got in my pocket. <laughs> and I know what you're gonna expect. And at the end of this rendezvous, like I'm gonna need somebody from you. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm broke. You know what I'm saying? Like all oh, my check went home. So it's that type of, that type of, it was just, that was the easy part for me. Like mm-hmm. that was the easy part. It wasn't difficult. Uh, and largely because I had been my, I've been my wife since I was like 16 years old. Wow. So wow. it was just like the what I mean, I, I've been, I had been out the game for so long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like what, are, what, what, are, what are we doing here? Right. Like, what is this about? Uh, so yeah, that, that part, was that was the easy part but you but you're right man the things that you see mm-hmm. and sometimes you just want to grab some of these women and give them a a, a talk like like you, you you worth so much more than this amen like this you got you know nah this ain't it this is not the bag uh and once you had once i had a daughter then it was really like mm. you know what i'm saying like oh man but you man, I've seen some stuff, yo. <laughs> some stuff where you're like, wow, and, wow. And, and you know what? It's speaking of Oaktown, 
um, during my debauchery stages, if you will, um, not holding fast to my faith anymore at that time, I remember, uh, I got to keep it real. There uh, used to be. You was with Too Short? You was with Too Short? Sort of. There was a, uh, to say it mildly, there was a player named Good Game that came from Cleveland. And his birthday is like a couple of days after mine. So he used to come to the residency and buy all types of rooms. And when I first knew him, I'm like, who, who is this guy from the hood with all this money? And then they got dressed up at night and I realized what, what I'm seeing. Then I see Phil Moore Slim, Kenny Red. Uh, you with the old players. Bishop Don Juan. Uh so long story short, I ended up building a relationship with this guy. And he would invite me to parties. And I went to a few of them. And you can see the eyes from women just because you're next to a person. And I know this is two different stages of life. Nah, it's, it's the but same it's the process same thing. Uh, Exactly. Uh. And you talk, talk about Oakland getting chose. I, I, I see it with my eyes fully. That um, just being next to Kenny Red, another non-drinker, and he he was just spitting game to me about this, that, and the third, and he just trailing him, and it's just like all eyes just focused on us. And it's like, and at the time I'm engaged, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> this ain't nothing good for me here. It's a profitable, uh, it's a profitable industry if that's if that's your if that's the lucre you want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like. Many people benefit from being the man next to the band, next mm. to the band. Like it, and you know, too it, short. It definitely and pays Big off. Daddy Kane and them came to a few of those parties, so yeah. Short used to come to Cleveland all the time for that. I thank the Lord I was spared from such gatherings. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I thank God for His mercy every day because I was in places I had no place, no business being in. So. <laughs> I was a square, bro. My bad. I was super square. I, I did algebra and stuff. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong. I was protected. You know, the Lord knew exactly what He was doing with me. Mm-mm-mm. So, um, besides that, as a Christian uh, in the field that you're in, what are the uh, some of the things you've struggled with uh, inside and outside of the occupation? Well, inside the occupation, it's, you know, uh, there there was a time where I was about to quit and uh, just find another career. But um, I remember going to L.A. to see my friend who's a minister, Crenshaw. And he gave me this, uh, he just dude asked me two questions. First question was, what if, what if the Lord put you in that place because He needed somebody there, mm. and I and I have an answer. <laughs> and He was like, "What if there's something you should be doing while you're there?" And it just really changed how I viewed it. But it's a very, um, like what we do is a very vain, vain seeking position. Like there's there's glory to be gotten. There's uh, vanity in it. And my difficulty was wanting my shine. 
right? My difficulty was wanting to be seen, wanting to be liked, wanting to be popular, right? That was my that was my pride, you know. I, I wanted that. I felt like I was better than a lot of people, uh, you know. I was uh I was super arrogant from a from a in the profession. Like other people would make it, and I'm more thinking like, how that dude get that job? He ain't better than me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, and I remember uh, a verse, uh, you know, serve as your servant unto the Lord. Like this idea of no matter what the job, if you just do it as if you're doing it on behalf of the Lord, then that is the reward, right? Like, this is how you operate. So I just remember putting my head down and saying, listen, uh, I'm just going to be the absolute best reporter I can be. And whatever comes of that comes of it. And, but it was hard to get, it was hard to get to that point because there was a lot of, a lot of just, stuff that I felt like should be mine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just a lot of a lot of stuff that felt like I should be mine. That that you know it's just and, and you know there are things that people do and I'm really not into the business of judging or condemning other reporters. Like mm. this stuff is so situational. Like I don't it's like people gotta do what they gotta do. But there are things you can do to kind of like make it. There are things you can do to help your shine level. And the difficulty for me was I have this, this is what I was talking about, like putting your faith on and taking it off. Like there's this constant clash. Like, I mean, like one example is if you go out and kick it, you will get more access. You will get more information. You will develop these relationships that help you in the long run. So my frustration was I wasn't doing the kicking it, right? And I and and it was putting the ceiling on what I was able to get and what I was able to do, but I also wanted the rewards as if I'd done that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I wanted credit for not doing it, right? I wanted credit for doing it the right way, but the credit wasn't coming. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't seeing it as, yo, I'm sacrificing. Not only am I sacrificing this behavior, I'm sacrificing the reward that comes with it, like in honor of my relationship with the Lord. Mm. Right. And with that, okay, that means you won't get, you know what I'm saying, the spoils, right? Until that's what's for you. That was hard for me. That was hard for me to do. You know what I'm saying? It was hard for me to uh to swallow that other that people in my industry were telling me that I was really good people in my industry who were higher than me were coming to me for help. And it's like, yo, I should be, how come I ain't in your spot? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how come I'm not where you are? So that was difficult for me. Like that, that was the part that made me want to quit. Uh, and also there is a kind of some, a frivolous kind of thing with it, right? It's like, what are we doing here? We're, we're worried about basketball. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, what are we really doing? Like, you know, my wife at the end of every year gets gift cards. She's a teacher, right? She gets gift cards and letters from parents. And then she'll see students later. And they're like, thank you. You do me so much. I'm like, dude, you really out here helping people. And I write about, <laughs> and I write about who, Lil said, like, that's where I was like, yo, this is stupid. What am I doing? Like, I wasn't called to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
uh, all the stuff that I was preserved from. Like I grew up in a crack house. I was preserved from probably the most murderous era in Oakland history. So I could cover basketball. Like, is this what I was supposed to be doing? Like, this don't seem, this don't seem what my preservation was for, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't know if if I made it so I could <laughs> cover basketball. That's just how I felt. You know what I'm saying? It's like I should be doing something that's more significant, something that helps people, something more meaningful. So I was ready to go. Like I was out. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't getting paid like I thought. And I was being overlooked, like I felt, you know, so it was like, what am I doing this for? So that was a difficult part. It's just like, you know, the pride, the the want my shine, the thinking I'm better than than what was being given to me, not being content at all. Like mm-hmm. that, that was that was the hard part for me, uh, which and for my money is worse than the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can understand that. That's 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 the stuff that eats at you. That's the stuff that impacts your whole life. Whereas you, all you had to do was stop a behavior and you was good. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, I ain't going. I ain't hanging out with Don Juan and them no more. Then you done with that, right? But I had that stuff that that keep you up at three o'clock in the morning. You know, plotting on uh, mm. how you. You know what I'm saying? So gotta come up. Yeah. So um, yes, it's a it's a. It's always a, it's always some cutthroat no matter what industry you're in, and it, it, it seems like there's no avoidance. It's just it's kind of in your field. It's higher stakes to it. Man, I got invited to a birthday party one time, and so I went to one party, right? And I'm at the party, and it was like oh seven, maybe oh six, and I'm at the party, and I have no idea what I'm doing. There. You ever get to the club and you'd be like, "Why am I here?" Like that was my last maybe my junior year of college where I was like, yeah, I know it's time for me to go home. Cause I'm at the club. First you got to talk me into going mm-hmm. and then I go. And when I get there, I'm like, what am I doing here? Right. That's what it felt like. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Uh, so like those feelings were like, all right, well, this is not me. Mm-hmm. So then I got invited again. And it was like, this is my chance to get in. You know, this was like with the dynasty warriors too. Like, yo, I'm having a birthday party, come. Mm. And it's like, now I could go. <laughs> and, you know, all the stuff that I've been talking about, I wanted, I could probably start the process of getting it, you know. Because mm. at that point, I already had a name. You know what I'm saying? I was being invited for a reason. So, but I didn't go. <laughs> I was just like, that's just not me. Mm. So I felt like, so that stuff has always cost me. And it just took a while for it not to bother me that it cost me before it used to bother me. It's like, I'm losing out on a part that will help me. You know what I'm saying? But if I do it, then I'll be violating my faith. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's the, that's the, that's the jostle. Oh, you, you better than me. It took me to about 30. It took me a minute to. But see, the difference for me was I never was in it. Like, it's not like, you know, I never got the taste. That just wasn't my life. I literally, I was the one who got put out the car when it was time about to go ride on somebody. You know, but I was the one in the neighborhood who they wouldn't let do nothing because it was like you going to college. You know what I'm saying? So, I had never. I was already out of place just by being there. So it was easy for me to not be there. Like that's not what I did. <laughs> this is not what I'm doing at the club. I'll drink. <laughs> what you? 
what what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? What am I doing? What are we gonna do hanging out? Like I'm gonna do that. We'll be going like so when we hang out with writers and we go like after after games, we'll all go someplace. They know if I'm there, it better be a place where you get something to eat. Cause otherwise I ain't going. Well, I'm about to sit here and just drink, just stand at the bar with y'all with a with water. Like that's dumb. Like it is cool. I don't have a problem with y'all, but why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> if you want me to be there, pick a place that includes me. You know what I'm saying? And then I'll do it. But otherwise, if y'all just going to grab a beer, I'll holler at you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it wasn't like I had a taste of this life. I had this experience. And now I have to resist it in order to do the right thing. It was like, yo, do you want to go do something that you've never done? Be who you've never been in order to advance. Mm. Like that's, that's why I really, that's the difference. I just, I never was that type. I I, I was always the square. I never had, (laughs) I had one girlfriend, like that's it. And I married her. That's beautiful. beautiful. (laughs) I tell my kids, man, I wish I could trade it back. You know, I wish I could rewind time because just like I, I wasted a lot of years. You know, and, and the killer part is I knew better. I was I was typical Jonah. I'm supposed ah. to No, I'm good. I'm going the other way. I don't care what you're talking about. I'm I'm going forget other Nineveh. Way. Mm. I don't want to be in Nineveh. Nineveh hate. So, uh, <laughs> so when was you introduced to Christ? Like ten years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, born and raised, huh? Basically, born and raised, buddy. Born and raised. What congregation uh, were you going to at the time? What's your home congregation now, too? South Berkeley Church of Christ. Uh, No longer exists, but yeah. Uh, My uncle, man, uh, used to thank the Lord for him. He used to come to the hood, hood, and pick us up. Hood, hood, and was you know what I'm saying, and like every Sunday and Wednesday, we was in Bible class and we was at church, like a super young age. So that was my man, like that was my salvation before I was saved. Like I got two days out of away from the violence, away from the poverty, like away from the desperation. You know what I'm saying? Like I. I look forward to that. I knew what was coming, you know. I, I got to go to youth events. Like, what, what you do at market? Oh, yeah, we about to go, you know what I'm saying? We going, we doing church stuff. You know what I'm saying? We doing camps. Like, that's why I don't scoff at that stuff now, man. Like, man, just two days out the week, I had a place to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was safe. That was healthy. And, you know, we wasn't breaking down exegeting Colossians, you know what I'm saying? We was just playing. So we was doing, we was playing, but we was playing in a safe place. We were playing in a place that was like healthy. And if you make a mistake, you was gonna learn something. And in the process, you might learn a few guiding principles, you know what I'm saying, about life until you until you're able to grow up and look at it on your own. You know what I'm saying? But that the other option was to be in the streets. <laughs> so he 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 saved me before I was saved, just because I knew every Wednesday and every Sunday, like I was gone. I was out. I, I had a reprieve, and there were people in my house who didn't want to go to church. You know what I'm saying? I don't do the church thing. They ain't get that reprieve. You know what I'm saying? They didn't get they didn't get a break from you know just the trauma. 
know what I'm saying? So I I, I appreciate that to the to, that's that's my father in the gospel, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God for that. Now, you said um you had mentioned earlier growing up in a crack house. Um how how has that shaped you? Maybe not smoke crack. <laughs> You smoke crack, don't you? The jump. <laughs> I I tell you, it did two things. Uh, um, so I was always one of those people because of it. I was able to learn from the bad example, right? People like you don't go to Nineveh. You end up jumping off a boat. <laughs> into the sea thinking your life is over because you didn't listen me i was on the boat watching okay so if i go to Nineveh, i'm good okay then i go to Nineveh. so i'm watching these these people live this life and i could already see that was my motivation to get out of there like that was my motivation to do the right things that was my motivation to be in school uh, i didn't want to go home so i found ways to not be at home and a lot of those ways ended up having to do with some extracurricular activities like basketball, like studying, like journalism, you know what I'm saying? Like just not being at home. Uh, but, you know, uh, oddly enough, man, uh, I would say the greatest thing I learned from that environment is how to forgive. Because when you live with people who are constantly doing wrong by you, like, you develop hate or you forgive like that's what it is man like you develop you develop uh, a repellent you know and you remember all of the things that went wrong or you learn to forgive and i feel like the the lord taught me how to forgive early you know what i'm saying like like every day <laughs> you had to forgive every day like that's literally what it was every day uh lamentations 323 is one of my favorite verses it talks about how the lord's mercies are new every morning like every single morning uh you get a new fresh batch of mercy you know what i'm saying like every yeah. single morning it's, it's not it's not like last week's mercy that you still eating off of his mercies are new every morning yeah. so like every morning i woke up in a, in a house that was full of like where children should not live like you had to make a choice like who was i gonna become you know and my father was a very affable guy right great personality very fun loving right like man we used to me and my sister we used to like plot and plan on how we was gonna stay bad at him <laughs> but it just didn't happen. Like he would say something or do something and then it's all good, you know? So like out of that, it's crazy. Like when you grow up and you see it, and it's like, man, I can forgive anything. Like I, I know exactly how not to hold grudges. I know how to look past bad decisions and understand context and circumstances and see the person, right? I understand mercy because of, how I was raised like because I ended up having three in the morning conversations with a dope fiend about how they wish their life was different you know what I'm saying and you start seeing like yo you really ain't like this wasn't like you had prosperity 
or crack and you chose crack right <laughs> like when you start like understanding the, the person you start saying but you kind of didn't have a choice <laughs> you know what i'm saying like this is where your life was supposed to end up just by the circumstance so you know you start understanding and you know that's i learned i learned that i learned how to forgive there you know what i'm saying i learned i learned i understand mercy because of that because you just had to have it you just had to did the addiction catch a hold of both your peoples or just well man it was uh 15 of us in a three-bedroom house that my grandfather bought for the family and he died and left the house to his kids it was 15 people six adults nine children and all six adults were addicted to something <laughs> one of them just was an alcoholic just was an alcoholic right the other five were on at minimum crack right like at some point or another and the reason they ended up all there was because they they got grown they went did they they got on drugs had nowhere to go so they came back to home base is what it was so yeah everybody was on <laughs> everybody was on something it was uh it was all of them <laughs> that's what i'm saying like what you gonna do you gonna hate the whole house <laughs> what you do on christmas <laughs> you know what i'm saying if you live with people you hate like you know what i'm saying like that was the option so mm. so yeah real yeah. spit i can't understand how uncle came into play there right um we're getting ready to wrap up um what what is uh this is gonna be odd because the nba being priced it i'd imagine at least 70 percent black um is there a burden um being one of a few black writers um and not only black like you've already outlined some of the things being a christian where it's going to take you where where you're going to go and where you're not going to go um being african-american where is there any burden with that i mean you do feel a great like weight to 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 write about black men like like you're writing about black men to a largely white audience mm. and like that it, we don't get to put that off right we don't get to we don't get to act as if that's not true whereas other people could just be writing about sports or basketball like we have to always be cognizant that we're writing about black people we're writing about black men which means a part of us are writing about ourselves. Mm. We're shaping how people view these black men, mm. which in America means we're shaping how people view black men. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, for instance, like I'll never call a guy stupid. I just can't do it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Cause we have a history of having our intellect challenged in this country. So I'm not going to participate and feed that because a dude is probably not the smartest basketball player. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so by calling him stupid, I'm helping, I'm making it easier for one of our readers to call him stupid mm -hmm. and just think black men are stupid in general. Mm -hmm. So we don't get to just write. And initially there, there's a part in every black reporter's career where you come across a player who's like, man, I thought we was boys. I thought we was cousins. How are you gonna write that? You know what I'm saying? Like you get that kind of like, man, or or 
if you write too critically, you will sell out. You know what I'm saying? You write too critically. It's like, oh, you run around here like you brother. You write that. You know what I'm saying? So the pressure is you you getting it from both. And I, I'll tell you this, man, and I hope your podcast blow up to the point where this comes back to harm me. Then at least you made it. At least you made it. But some of these dudes are like they don't they don't appreciate us in the way they should. And I'm talking about the biggest stars, you know, and the 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 emphasis on black people that happened this year underscored how they do not appreciate us. They don't make the same lengths to take care of us like we take care of them. Mm. They don't think about us in the same context that we think about them, right? Mm. Now, that's not saying we won't be critical. We will break down basketball, mm-hmm. but you don't find us going places and saying stuff that some regular non-black reporter would just willy-nilly say you know what i'm saying like booger mcfarland is getting killed now for talking about Dwayne haskins wasn't a good quarterback because he's too worried about his brand and black athletes are too worried about their brand like he don't he can't we don't get to say stuff like that right you know what i'm saying not only because we're gonna get it from the players and, and truth be told many of us are there because they think we speak some type of secret language and can talk to these players right they're like go in there talk your talk get all the info from them and then write about it right they think we got the, the handshake yeah we got the handshake you know how to talk to them how about you go in the locker room? like that's part of the reason we there anybody tell you otherwise they lie right. the reason i'm good at my job is because i know how to talk to players mm. right and meanwhile the non-black reporters they talk to the general managers and the front office owners right mm. knowing that players have not done a good job of taking care of black media mm. period and i'll fight any of them who say otherwise not physically fight, but we can argue about right. it, right? Like, like you know, like because I imagine uh, you probably write your stories where you know you know you can go in, but you still want we keep, don't. Yeah. You, know, you still want to keep them in a certain light where. But we, it's not even them per se. It's us. Like we protected ourselves. Mm. You know, like you go out here ripping, making you go out here participating in the denigration of black people. It only hurts yourself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm literally creating a stage where I'm going to be punished for it, right? Like, if I start questioning the intellect of Black men, my intellect will be questioned by the very people that I'm writing to. Because the moment I write something that they think is not smart, they're going to call me a stupid, just like I wrote them, you know what I'm saying? Like, so if nobody's saying, wait a second, I'm not going to call him stupid. I might call him unprofessional, right? <laughs> I might say he handled this poorly. I might even call him immature, right? But I'm gonna explain to you why, yo, this is uh, uh, typical of how we've been talked about in America. Like our intellect has always been questioned. Yeah, you might, it might be a problem when you call a black man dumb, right? He been, he been presumed to be dumb and lazy his whole life. So yeah, here's why we won't get into these tropes, right? If I don't, if I'm not the one providing this cautionary tale, I'm only exposing myself to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. so yes, it is also about this idea. You are writing about black people. And as a black person in America, you just can't 
like we don't get to lose sight of that we don't get to not be black it's, and right just it sometimes articles. seems like y'all don't have the the leeway to be objective like i i i can understand booger mcfarland's point on that i can see that but you know there's two sides to every coin but like you said like okay he's going to get slaughtered by his own just for having but he's and that's the problem like we can general when you generalize black people, you make it easy to generalize black people. So now, when the next reporter do something, these reporters today, these black reporters, they all and I'm now in the crosshairs. Mm. Nobody generalized Johnny Manziel. He didn't represent all young white dumb quarterbacks who do stupid stuff, mm. right? Johnny Manziel was Dwayne Haskins. So Booger McFarland is basic. Yeah, exactly. Booger McFarland is basically he's generalizing, which other media gets to do. But when you're a black man generalizing, you're basically given permission for people to black to generalize black people, which at some point, if you just say that's okay, at some point, if you sign off on stereotype of black people, you will find yourself at the end of a stereotype. Like that's just the way it is. Well, what any rational black person is trying to do is buck stereotypes mm. we're trying to counter them we're trying to disprove them right you've been a thug all your life right they've been trying to tell you you a thug you you know what i'm saying like yeah. you over sexualize all your you've been trying to be like hold on now keep in mind i do got a little street in me but i'm just as smart as y'all right that's what you've been trying to do your whole life mm. so you trying to buck stereotypes so we enter it with that paradigm Right, uh, we we come with this idea that I'm a black man. I understand how black men are talked about and treated, and I don't like it for me personally. I don't like it for myself. I I don't like it when they call us welfare babies or crack babies, right. or when they say we don't care about our community because look at Chicago, or when they say you know what I'm saying, or we don't do well in school, or we are we aren't good fathers. Right. I don't like none of them stereotypes, stereotypes. Right. Black men aren't there for their. I don't like none of that. So if I want to end that, I need to debunk stereotypes. So now when I got the pen, I can't just be out here stereotyping like that would be a contradiction of myself. Yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, I, I, I understood where he was coming from. But now listening to you, I understand that. For lack of better words, we have to safeguard ourselves. So because when we broad stroke like that. It affects the whole Us. just because yeah. of the just by the nature of, of what the black man is in America. Absolutely. Now, I'm, not so mad, if, I'm not if, mad at his opinion, but being in that field, I see what you're saying. Like you gotta be careful how you word certain things. So if if that. uh Kirk Herbstreit said it right, he pays no price. He pays no price. I mean, like he'll get criticized, but, but I'm saying, like, if it becomes, if if it becomes cool to stereotype black athletes, like he won't ever get burned by that, right? Right? He won't ever get burned. At some point, they might just stereotype. They might there might just be a generalization that harms Booger McFarland, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there might be this idea that, you know, whatever they come up with and, and he's going to be at the butt end of it which is going to make him rue the day that he created an atmosphere where it's okay to generalize mm. like like we we, we did I, I let me speak for me personally i deal with i have dealt with being stereotyped my entire life like i'm from east oakland 
what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like this is just, you know, I've been stereotyped every level of the way. I walk into a place, they're like, yo, here's this thug dude, right? That's just how it's always been. I'm the furthest thing from a thug, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like any thug who knows me, like that dude, like, nah, like, you know what I'm saying? But how could I dare now that I have the power of the pen use my platform to promote stereotypes? Like, why would I do that when I've been the victim of them, right? Like, I imagine I haven't gotten a call. This is what I used to think. Why, why ain't nobody calling me for a job? Why ain't on TV? Why? You know what I'm saying? And what am I thinking? I'm not going to, part of me is thinking, yeah, maybe you're not good enough. But you know, it's a part of me like, it's because I'm black. It's because I'm too hood. It's because, so in my in my own head, I'm thinking I'm being stereotyped out of opportunity. Yeah. So now when I got the pen, how dare I say all these black players, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. that yeah. that's irresponsible of me. Okay. You can criticize the player, absolutely. So, but that's just our burden. We don't get to we don't get to just willy nilly talk about black athletes as if they're this separate subset from us. Like, yeah, we just don't get to do that. Number one, we setting up, we're participating in the universe that will come back to hurt us. And then number two, we ain't gonna have no credibility in the locker room. Mm-hmm. No credibility in the locker room. You're gonna be that guy. I mean, literally, uh, Allen Iverson looked at the camera and said, I hate you about a reporter. Like, I don't hate nobody. I hate you, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you got, like, Stephen A is a master at critiquing people and maintaining credibility. Like, he's going to come for you. He w- but when he come for you, he coming for you. Right when he come like Kyrie, you're going to get the smoke as Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Black athletes ain't getting the smoke. You know what I'm saying? So mm. that's the kind of you know, like it's balancing the two worlds. Like you said, it is trying to be your own person. You know what I'm saying? I've had to tell the athlete like, "Yo, uh, I'm sorry, but you don't pay none of my salary." Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm I, I'm gonna tell your story, but I got a job to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, that's got to be a, a gift and a curse because you're expected to have their back, but at the same time, you have to be objective and explaining what you see. And if they don't like it, with them being the majority of the locker room, now you're just pariah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That that. Was- and that's where I that's where I say they haven't they haven't they haven't responded the today's athlete uh can do a better job at supporting the black people who are in this thing trying to be a difference like trying to be a different i remember uh writing a book about steph curry and uh i remember talking to somebody about why players didn't like steph right and a lot of players just didn't like steph but when i heard it i understood it's like, yo, here's this light-skinned dude being propped up as this kind of savior face of the franchise, face of the league, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know you know how colorism is in our community. We already like, man, you like that dude because he light-skinned. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know you'd have lost a few girls to the light-skinned dude with the good hair. You know what I'm saying? But, but also then, like, you know, 
he was like, man, and you know, they act like this, he's the only good husband and good father. And it's like, you know, I kind of see, <laughs> I kind of see what you're saying. You know, you don't hear much about Westbrook being a good father, a good husband. Mm. You don't hear about that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I understand, like, and that's, but that's what they're saying. So now it's like, well, I'm in position, and, and I will tell the story that other people don't see. Mm. Okay. I'll write the perspective that they can't possibly see. And, yeah, I'll do that. I'll be here, and I'll do that. David Aldrich has done that for 30 years. He's been there to tell the stories, to, to provide the context that people just don't see. They don't know what it means for LeBron to literally be 20 years, more than 20 years in the spotlight and, and, and has handled it gloriously. Like to, 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 to the masses, like they they too busy nitpicking whatever he does, but like in the in the grand scheme, you don't like how he posts on Instagram. Like that's what we talking about. You don't like how he operates with his teammates or whatever. Like you don't like that he uses the power that he's accumulated. In the end, like that's this is not where he's supposed to be. If LeBron got snuffed out in a drug shootout, nobody would be talking about, oh, we missed out on this glorious career when he was 16. They'd have been like, yeah, this is rough out here in Cleveland. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's what it would have been, right? Like, yeah. for him to be over 20 years in this thing, to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16 and not get sidetracked from that, if you from where we from, you understand the, the like, the craziness of that. Right. If you know the Lynn Bias story, you know, like, yo, what LeBron's doing is insane. Mm -hmm. Like, this is this is incredible that he's doing this. Like, whatever critique you have of LeBron, it don't matter. Like, that's cool. If we're gonna talk ball, if we're gonna talk leader, we can debate about Steph and all that, George, all that. We can talk about that's cool. But on a separate conversation, this dude didn't have a father. (laughs) Right. And he came from the, the the struggle and he's been in the spotlight since he was 16. His nose been clean the whole time. Are you t- are you serious? He twenty years strong, and this is what he's built. Like he's exceeded every expectation you had of him. And we gonna act like this is not insane. Like, but if you don't know where he's from, how could you possibly put that in context? Mm-hmm. If you don't know what it means to just have your mom, you know what I'm saying, right? And your mom got her own struggles. Right, like, right. they don't know that. They like. You don't know what that conversation is like where he's on the floor with the cigar after the bubble championship talking to his mom about where they've been from, where, where they've come from. You look at LeBron's, he's like rich dude, right? LeBron's, he's the king. He's like, a, but you don't forget that. You don't forget where you came. You don't forget the struggle. You don't, I don't care how much money he made, he will never forget being a nobody, nothing broke kid in Akron with no future. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't forget that. So of course he gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, but if, if you ain't from there, how could you understand that context? Like that don't match for you. You don't, you ain't read the story yet about how Russell Westbrook's father used to be like a legit LA, like in them streets and he got his son out and his son is now like, you know, like a NBA superstar and people wondering why 
Russ shouting out Nipsey. And it's like, mm. yo, like, you know what, you know what his daddy had to do to get here? I got a piece coming out about Matt Barnes, whose daddy was a savage. Mm. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you gotta understand where they from to understand what it means. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same in Cleveland, Oakland, New York, you know what I'm saying? Like we got poverty is the same story. Struggle is the same story. Discrimination is the same story. So you know, like me and you can sit here and talk for 20 hours about the similarities of our upbringing, mm. right? Mm. And the little details might tweak, but they gonna be the same thing, right? Like, Maybe. so we understand what LeBron went through, right? We, under, we know what it means for them to be here, right? We know what it means for Chris Paul to be putting on for HBCUs. Like to other reporters who didn't go to HBCU, that don't mean nothing. But to anybody who's been to an HBCU, to watch, you know what it meant to me? For Chris Paul to be wearing Clark Atlanta shoes in the bubble? Do you know how me and Lit, me and Bobadi Jones were? <laughs> like, like this dude wearing, you know what I'm saying? He coming up every game with an HBCU outfit on. If you went to an HBCU, if you ever stood in the longest unnecessary registration line in your life at an HBCU, you understand, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's what we do. That's what we bring to the table. The ability, in addition to the basketball, the breakdowns, analysis, we can also put into context who these guys are. And now that they have the ability to, in many ways, do that themselves with their own platforms, yeah. It almost feels like they forgot about the fact that that's what we've been doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think they could be better about that. I think they could be better about making sure they have the power in this player empowerment to anoint people. I feel like Chris Haynes should be pinnacle. He There should be nobody in this game higher than Chris Haynes. He put in the work. He did it the right way. You know what I'm saying? Like, ain't no hustle, ain't no, like, he grinded. Matter of fact, he was in Cleveland, yeah, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, so, like, that should be them making sure Chris Haynes is up there, mm-hmm. right? Like, you just, yo, you run this league, or it's your empowerment. That brother has been working from the bottom. And there's no, should, no, there, nobody should be hired at Chris Haynes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, it's that nobody, and, and David Aldridge should be treated like, King Joffrey Jofer from like, <laughs> I mean, this dude been doing this for thirty years. He's a legend, right? Bruce like Hard. he should be treated. Broussard, yes, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, you know, but when it was going down, you know, uh, when when it was all happening and you and, and you in the pandemic and people's jobs were on the line, I feel like they should have done more. And I'll tell each one of them that if they if they want to talk about it, they they should have done more. Period. They they should have done more. And you know what? I, I'm going to say this, and you probably don't even remember telling me this, and I think it, it plays a part of what you're saying, and, and this is a promo for you. Gold in the miraculous rise of Steph Curry. I remember when we sat down and were talking that, you know, whether it was through agents or uh, PR, that you couldn't get the props or the sign-off to, to – I forget how you put it. You can you can explain it better. But it was it was unauthorized. It was an unauthorized ride. And, and you put in all the time and the hours, but they wouldn't look out for you. But I bet you, and 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 I'm going to throw my little shade right here. If Lee Jenkins did it or something like that, oh, they signed off. Yeah, Lee Jenkins is. I, I, I will say this, like, uh, I hate being that dude where it's like, you wronged me. Like I said, that used to be me, and I don't want to be that guy anymore. Like, I don't want to be the guy complaining about, like, he should have more. I'm perfectly fine with what the Lord has given me. If this Amen. is it, this is it, right? right, right, right. 
but I definitely felt like a black man writing a biography about a player should have been more, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if you look at the authorship of the people who are writing books about these athletes, it's not us. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it's not us. So, and look, man, it don't, it don't have to be me. I promise you, it don't have to be me. I'm absolutely fine. Like they can't stop what the Lord's got coming for me anyway. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So it don't even matter, but hey, I got, I got a list of a hundred black writers who, who they can put on mm-hmm. and make sure, and they're going to do a great job. They're going to do great work. And to be fair, a lot of them do a lot of them take care of people. You know, a lot of them do. My opinion is they should be doing more. Uh, there's literally, it was literally Black Lives Matter on the court. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And me, and but nothing changed. It was the same setup, same system, same people getting the same scoops, same access. And you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like, hey, uh, and that for me, that that was always kind of like, I don't know. At some point, the the part that I don't, the the part that I don't like about this job is that you always media. I'm not a black man with a job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm media. Like that's the part that don't sit well with me. And you know, it's like you're the, you're the enemy. You're built in. Yeah, I'm automatically the enemy, right? Yeah. Don't matter. Like in my career, you, I'm like points of the story that I wrote that wasn't fair, wasn't accurate. You can't find it. But it don't that don't matter. Like I'm media, and and there and, and in this climate, there is no celebration of the black people in our profession who do well, right? And they're not recognizing that it takes, like we go through a lot. Malika Andrews is one of my youngsters. She's from Oakland. You know, she's one of my mentees. To the what she is incredible at her job. She takes it as serious as somebody who's been doing this for 20 years. Like she didn't just walk on Cause she pretty. Like I know, I knew Malika before she was Malika, and I don't know how much they respect that. I don't know how much they respect the fact of what she had to deal with to get to here and honor that. You know what I'm saying? But she's media, and she gonna always be media. You slide in her DMs. You know what I'm saying? She a black woman in her DMs though. The the amount of putridness in her DMs. She's a black woman, right? So it's just like. You know, and look, obviously some people do take care of her and she's got positions. So I'm not trying to say she's in struggle, but it's just like, all right, y'all need to be making sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that is a black woman who made it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's the part like, yo, we all, we made it, man. Like I'm from the same streets as y'all. I bet my story worse than y'all's. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we could, tra- I could trade stories with y'all too. Don't, don't, don't treat me like. I, I can take this credential off and will one day, you know what I'm saying? And then I'm just a black dude who made it, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't let this credential fool you. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't, take, let don't, these... don't take care of Rachel Nichols and not take care of Malika, you know. It's, it's, I like Rachel, so I'm glad you said that. You said that, but I feel you. You know what I'm saying? It, that, it, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, you can't have, and I could go on for hours about Black Lives Matter, but it should encompass everything. Black writers shouldn't matter. We in this, we in the same struggle. We in the same boat, whether you like my opinion or not. Absolutely, we in the same boat. I just wish they understood that more. That's it. That's it. I just wish they understood that more. 
And please don't if you're listening to this and you complaining, don't pick me. <laughs> don't pick me. Uh, but if you want to holler at me, I got I got a list of people who are worthy and they put in the work and they real people. Put them on. But like you said, there should be a cognizant a, a cognizant effort for them to say, hey, are we treating our writers like baseball hall of fame treats his legends mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying peter gammons is a legend mm-hmm. he walk into the room he getting whatever he needs right. i want to see david alters get the exact same thing mm-hmm. period and they have the power to do that just like baseball players do that for, they have the power to go ahead and put the crown in the sash on david aldrich and bill Roden. you know what i'm saying and mike will you know what i'm saying like like, and, and you know what? I'm gonna say something. I, I didn't know we were going in this direction. That's funny. But I'm gonna say one more other thing controversial, and and I love the guy's work. Um, as you know, being a Cavs fan, I remember when Windhorse was writing back in the uh, Akron Beacon Journal. Yeah, I was on the beat when he was on the beat. We started up together. Yeah. Then he moved up to. Uh, I forgot at what point yes. he came to Cleveland.com. Cleveland Play Dealer, right? Yeah. At some point, he elevated from there as the Cavs were making their ascension. Then LeBron uh, went to LeBron, Miami and ESPN LeBron. hired him. You're making my point for me. Yeah, ESPN. They knew he had access to LeBron that nobody else could when they brought him to Plain Dealer. And then they doubled down on it when he went to Miami. And granted, I understand his credentials and he was qualified for the work. But look at what his coverage of the um, starting out with LeBron onto the heat and so forth and so on. Look where it's taken him yeah. in relatively out, you know, basically 20 years for about the time LeBron has been playing. He has shot the stratospheres where Broussard, Aldridge, they're not there. I mean, you got a handful. You got Stephen Smith, Stephen A. Smith, um, Will Bond, but that's it. That's it. I mean, them dudes put in work too. You know, they've been yeah. doing this for thirty years. You know what I'm saying? Why uh, isn't Why isn't Broussard recognized on the same? St- and I know they don't hate on each other, but I'm just saying, why isn't he on that same status level as Windhorse? Windhorse is an example of what these players have the power to do and the clout they have. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like and Windhorse. Like I was there at the beginning. We were on the beat at the same time. He put in the work. Like he ain't he ain't getting no free ride. Right, right, he just right. happened to be working at the Akron at the time, the greatest player of all time, possibly started working. But he, he definitely the right, he the right break at the right yeah. time. So. But that break could also be given to others. Is all I'm saying. Like my, my point exactly. And, 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 I'm, and, and I know how you feel. And there's 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 our faith level, and then there's a humanity level. And I know that maybe, I don't know this to be factual or not, maybe when horse does things that you don't do. Who knows? But with that being said, when you have access to where you've been, yeah, there should be more flowers thrown your way. It is what it is. Oh yeah, nah, bro. I get, I get, uh, I get. But the Lord would give amazing. me amazing. Yeah, I got, I, I'm, I'm good, man. If I get not one more thing, I have gotten a lot, so I'm all good. Uh, what I receive is not connected to their responsibility, mm-hmm. like. And look, there's a whole new crop, and this is a different era too, right? It was like this back in the day, you know. It was like this for the old writers and the old 
you know, one of one of my favorites is Ralph Wiley. You know, like like when they walked in the room, they they got their respect. You know, what I'm saying they got put on, but at the, you know nobody's had clout like these players. And so I'm I'm definitely talking about the next generation who, I mean, they're so concerned with their image and putting it out themselves, and you know, being the control of their story. Like hire some of these people, man. Like put some of these people on. Let let some of these people uh, be a part of that process. Uh, understand that, and not not the fake ones, not the the janky ones, not the ones who don't care about their craft or don't put into it, not the ones who are just trying to kick it. But like understand enough to pay attention to who's serious about it, who's doing the work, and you know, make sure you honor that. Like these are these are people from your community, just a different segment of the country, right? Who who oftentimes have done a lot of good, honest work and have overcome a lot of adversity just like they have. And sometimes I don't know if, I, don't, I just don't know that they always see it that way or respect it. So that's just the part where it's like, man, in another universe, like I'm, I, we take this credential off, man, you get, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to get a, a sermon talking to you, call it what you want to, but I, I'm i 43 years old. I ain't got no time to be parsing words for no 25-year-old. Like, no, you about to get this work. I'm the OG now. <laughs> Sit down and listen. <laughs> Sit down and listen, playboy. And you know, you don't care about their money and that like When you don't care, you start saying whatever. Right. I'm almost there, bro. I'm almost at that age where I don't care no more. Right. You, know, that, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm all, I can't wait till I get there. I ain't even going to say hi no more. I'm just going to be pointing at people like, all right now. <laughs> all right now you don't even say hi you just start pointing <laughs> so you still dabbling in hip-hop i see i, I, I peeped the quarantine flow you, you still in your chh mode huh man i got bars bro i'll be trying to tell people <laughs> i'll be trying to let people know i got bars oh we need that we need that scribe mixtape i was trying to uh encourage my daughter who wanted to rap so you got to check out her song I'll show her it could be done, mm. but her song was even better. Man, we was in here, no, we was trying to make the best of this quarantine. Yeah. We need that 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 Thompson Scribe family. <sighs> nah, I'm retired. We need like, that. Man, that my microphone is over the uh, the telephone wire next to your sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> I tied that joke up and threw it up there. It's right, it's right, it's right next to your old. What you used to play in? What you used to hoop in? Oh, Put them man. up. Used to hoop at some uh, hyper dunks, yeah, up next to your old busted hyper dunks. <laughs> well, I'm uh promote yourself, promote yourself before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, check me out, Thompson Scribe, T H O M P S O N C R I B E. That's an that's an everything. Uh, I'm not that great at Instagram, I'm a Twitter addict, and uh, I'm somewhere on Facebook, but. I, I ain't on the auntie social media right now. Like I don't be active on that. So uh, yeah, check me out. Uh, go get golden. The miraculous rise of Steph Curry. And I know you. Uh, I, I know you uh, appreciate underdog stories. So that's the ultimate. You know, little runt of the litter who made it. Uh, go get my biography on KD, who came from a similar black background for me, and just how he made it from the struggle in DC, you know what I'm saying? All hoods be the same. So I do, I do authorization that story. on that. Nah, bro. I ain't get no authorization. 
They ain't, they ain't, they ain't fooling with me. The, the Lord, the Lord had lessons to teach me. You know what I'm saying? But that's part of my liberation. You know what I'm saying? I don't need that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> or, hey, hey, you like that? Uh, yeah. That's part of my, you know, I don't, man. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a good story of a, of a guy who decided he would be the best player in the game and, and worked his way to get there. So, uh, and I got another book coming out. I'm not authorized to say what it is yet, but mm, teaser. When, when it come back on, when, when it come out, you, we come back on a liberation pod. Yes, please, yes, Hope, please. I'll probably be at that point where I don't care no more. Then these stories will be a lot more. There'll be some names in these stories. Let's go. Let's go. So you can get those books on Amazon, Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, KD, Kevin Durant's Relentless Pursuit to Be the Greatest. Go on Amazon get that book now. Thompson, at Thompson Scribe, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, oh, and the Warriors Plus Minus Podcast. Check my guy out as he break down everything Warriors for all y'all West Coast fans. Um, I appreciate you, brother. And, and also, if I didn't thank you like I should have before, that... Uh, when you signed off on my son's book for his birthday, man, I greatly, greatly appreciate that, man. That meant a lot. I was about to ask you, what's up with him? What's going on? He's probably like 29 now. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> he's about to be 22. Um, he's in college. He's working. Uh, Jeez, you old. You old. Out here. You old. Oh, Good-looking young man. Good-looking young man. Uh, yeah, so my next time in Cleveland, which is hopefully never – uh, you gonna have to show me. You gonna have to show me the the parts I I was missing the whole time. For sure. <laughs> so we'll see, man. I appreciate your time, though. Yes, sir. Yeah, All right, I'll, bro. I'll let you. Um, yeah, when you get that other book, let's let's handle that. All right. Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore Pod. Liberation is sponsored by Doodlebugs by DaVita. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydavita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydavita.etsy.com. Use the promo code LIBERATION and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at doodlebugs for you. That's Doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, Doodlebugs by DeVita.